Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Andrew Bowser. And I'm Sapphire Sandalo. And welcome to Alter Weekly. Coming up on the show, we talk with Bishal Dutta about his alter short, Inferno. And then we tackle a new segment called Axe to Grind, where Bowser and I discuss something that's always bothered us about horror fandom. But first, Sapphire, it's our last episode. <laughs> Spoiler <What>? alert, sorry. <laughs> this is the last episode of Alter Weekly. I know. And ironically, it's the first episode we've ever been in person together yeah, for. it feels weird. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I know. It does feel weird. Yeah. It feels weird. Uh, especially that it's coming at the end. We'd always thought at some point we'll do an outdoor movie night <laughs> for Alter Society. And uh, we did finally do mm-hmm. it. But we did it in episode 21, which is our last episode. And the movie we watched... <laughs> The best movie ever. Yeah, the best movie to ever watch with a buddy out by the fire pit, Human, Human Centipede. centipede. <laughs> so we're really going out with a bang. I yeah. mean, arguably, we did it right mm-hmm. all the way to the end. <laughs> but since it is our last episode, we should probably talk about what else we do in case people want to follow us and find us outside of this podcast yeah so why don't you go first what are you working on i know we've always kind of referenced other projects of ours and um even other podcasts that we do but what are you working on that you would like to tell any of the fans of alter weekly about so they can continue to keep up with sapphire sure um so you can find me every week on the travel channel on well actually discovery plus now um Everything's going to air there first and then go on Travel Channel. Uh, I'm on a show called Paranormal Caught on Camera, where I watch, (laughs) where we react to paranormal videos that people send in, and it's fun and silly. Um, (laughs) Aside from that, uh, I just recently started my YouTube channel again, Mm -hmm. uh, youtube.com slash Sapphire Sandalo. So every other Wednesday, I release a video where I tell like a spooky story and then I add some like drawings to it. And then in the weeks in between that, I release podcast episodes on my podcast called Stories with Sapphire, which is more of the non-fictional side of the paranormal. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, have my YouTube channel, which is Bowser Vids Totally. I have this Kickstarter that people have heard about through the show onyxthemovie.com at the time we're recording this episode we're a little past the halfway mark on our fundraising goal Woo. yeah so you'll have to keep in touch with me to see how it all shakes out it, it could crash and burn in two weeks time we won't know uh, you won't know at least not through alter week you'll have to find me on twitter to see if i'm spiraling <laughs> because my kick, because my kickstarter failed um, and then I, uh, yeah, I host a podcast called The Untold Hour, which is uh, bizarre and spooky tales with Jessica Chobot. 
that's how you can keep in touch with me. We have really enjoyed this this run of episodes. Um, Sapphire, why don't we each just share like a favorite moment from the show? And and also any parting words. We have a great show ahead of us. We don't want parting people to... words already. Well, <laughs> we have a great show ahead of us, but but uh, but we might not be back in the show uh, to say any kind of final farewell. We may right. just have our regular sign off. So, is there any favorite memory of these twenty episodes of Alter Weekly, and any parting words before we get into this amazing last episode? Hmm. Well, a moment that definitely stands out is speaking with the creator of Final Destination, yeah, Jeffrey Reddick, um, and me confessing to him how I'm so terrified of everything, and he calms me down. And yeah. You know what? Not gonna lie, that made me go, yeah, I feel a lot better. That has to be kind of a full circle moment. That was almost yeah. like getting a blessing from the Pope. Exactly. As far like as like that, yeah. your fear <laughs> your fears surrounding an untimely death mm-hmm. are unwarranted in the eyes of the man that added to that fear, <laughs> arguably, yeah. by creating Final Destination. Mm-hmm. That was a really great episode. Um, I One of my personal faves was just talking to Pumpkinhead himself, Tom Woodruff Jr. I'm sure you could have guessed that would be one of my faves. But getting to nerd out in a like kind of formal setting is always exciting uh, because you're like, well, my job here is to nerd out, but also I just get to nerd out. Um, parting words, anything you want the dark copers to, to leave dark with? Cop- Do you yeah. like how we established that a second episode yeah. and then just immediately abandoned it? <laughs> well, I like to believe there are so many dark copers out there. There's fan art, there's t-shirts that have been made up and that we'll see it. We'll, we'll be in a thrift store one day and we'll see a dark coper, a homemade dark coper t-shirt and we'll be like, oh my God, that was because of us. <laughs> Um, that's our legacy. <laughs> that's our legacy. One t-shirt in a thrift store somewhere in the valley. Uh, any parting words? I don't know. I mean, it's been really fun. Like, I've seen a lot of movies for this show that I don't think I ever would have. True. Like, on my own, which is always really fun. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's always fun to talk about horns spooky stuff oh i'm getting sad oh no (laughs) don't get sad we can still have these conversations whether it just be between us or whether we do something else together Mm -hmm. um and you know maybe the dark copers will follow oh my god um i i also i i appreciated the space to have interesting conversations around horror and i uh i think it made me like I liked getting to talk to filmmakers, um, young filmmakers, new filmmakers, yeah. and people that I didn't have a, a necessarily a preconceived notion of because I'm already a fan or yeah. because I've seen. You know, it was interesting to talk to people on the different on different uh, ends of the spectrum in regard to the genre. I mean, mm-hmm. some people that were like, "Well, I, I just got interested in horror a few years ago." Some people that said, "Well, I you know I watched The Exorcist when I was five. I liked meeting uh, horror fans that aren't like uh, cut from the exact same cloth or even kind of born out of the exact same era of fandom. Uh, Because even if I don't disagree uh, with their takes on certain parts of the genre, it was always enlightening to just hear their perspective. Yeah. Wait, I changed my answer. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, I want to include what you said in mine. Um, (laughs) 
I, no I take backs. No take backs in parting no. words. <laughs> I didn't get deep with mine. Honestly, truly, like, it was really enjoyable to meet new people every yeah. week. Um, and it was also just a reminder of how varied this genre is. Like, yeah. we spoke with people who did every type of horror from every experience level and i don't know it was like it was really inspiring too yeah yeah i agree and even though we went into this kind of with the uh i guess the the knowledge that like horror is such a nuanced genre and does attract such a varied type of person even though we kind of went in with that knowledge somehow still uh my mind got expanded by meeting the different types of people that the genre touches so even I was surprised at just how varied uh, the fans are of this genre. Well, with that said, I guess we'll we'll launch into our first segment of our last episode. Oh my god! <laughs> Bishal Dutta is an up-and-coming young filmmaker who's already made a name for himself in the horror genre, attracting the likes of super producer James Wan. Here's our conversation with him about his alter short Inferno and why he loves horror so much. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're very excited to have you on this episode of Alter Weekly. Thank you, guys. I'm so excited to be here chatting with you. So let's just start really big picture. What began your interest in the horror genre? Totally. I have always loved horror movies. I mean, I've always loved movies. There was never a time where I ever wanted to do anything else. Uh, but horror, I think, very early interest. I just loved all things genre. I loved sci-fi. I loved horror. Um, and I think it was, it was some very early films. It was The Shining, for sure. I watched yeah. that. I was in high school, and it was definitely like I watched it one week straight, like the, every night in a row. I watched it. It was like I'm going to unlock the oh, secrets wow. of this movie. <laughs> you did a little shining marathon. <laughs> it was it was it was insane, but I, I loved it, and and you know I loved that. Um, I loved the the unwillingness to provide easy answers, right? I yeah. think that there there was two sides of it. I think for me, where it's like you have the shining, which is such a a sort of a fractal of a movie where you just have to keep digging deeper and deeper into it. But then you, I, I remember being 16 and being dared to go see The Conjuring because the whole thing was like, <laughs> you know, the whole the whole like mythos of it was, you know, this movie doesn't have any, uh, you know, blood or, or sex or bad language, but it's still rated R because it's so scary. You know, it's, just, it's just too intense. It's yeah. too intense, right? And I think uh, it was it was always the sort of, communality of that experience of like you'd sit down you scream together and and it's just so much fun and it's so much of what cinema is and what sort of it can be i think yeah and uh and then yeah it was it was the experience of something like the shining or or you know um what else i think some some of the early very very influential ones for me were poltergeist and, yeah. and the original nightmare on elm street mm. so those movies just give you so much and there's so much to sort of feed on Right. And I think uh, I, I always enjoyed how unpretentious the experience was, you know, and, and it was yeah. very much about delivering on something that is very sort of basic and experiential and just very human, you know? Yeah. Were 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 your yeah. friends or family also horror fans or was it something that only you were into? It was it was pretty much me. I'll tell you. I mean, I uh, 
my my family they're all scaredy cats they're, they're all very scared of horror movies and and they only started watching them because i i said mom and dad i'm gonna make horror movies you guys you guys gotta watch these with me for research you know so i got them to screen right. for research um but no it was, it was pretty much a me thing and i think you know just in terms of the gamut of horror just in terms of how much sort of variance there is in horror i found myself always drawn to all sides of it right like people say like I don't like salt. I don't like, you know, this. I don't like PG-13 horror movies. I find myself drawn to all of it. I think all of it is great, you know, and it's... Uh, yeah, that's what we like to hear. <laughs> yeah, and I think that there's sort of... Um, and, and to bring it back to your previous question, I think it was like that specifically, uh, I've only more recently found uh, filmmakers that are that are in that same camp where it's just like, it's the love of, of the, the genre as a whole, right? Rather than... Uh, you know, we watch horror movies when they're made by A24. Love those movies. Right. But like, there's a whole world of, of horror cinema sort of outside of that too, right? Um, I don't know right. if that answers the question, but, you know. Oh, yeah, I think it does. I think it oh. answers the question very well. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up the A24 thing. <laughs> that is something that me and Bowser talk about all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, the the phrase prestige horror, elite yeah. horror. Ele it's just elevated, like, right? I feel like or elevated. That was the other one. Yeah. 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 And it's just like that's a term that is used by, I'm going to say it, people who aren't really horror fans. They're right. like, I like my horror when it's not really horror. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's like, what? It's, it's yeah. so much of, you know, you get the conversations of, of Jaws isn't a horror movie, Science of the Lambs isn't a horror movie, and it's like, what? They're, they're horror movies. Come on. You know, yeah. like, I think the, the sort of unsavory parts of, of the genre are precisely why it is so sort of um, incisive, right? Like, you can mm -hmm. you can do things in, in the genre space that you won't be able to do for 20 more years in, in any other yeah. genre. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. uh, I think I think the the dirtiness of that, right? Specifically, the the griminess of you know digging into the taboos, right? Like the the very end of the original night uh, Night of the Living Dead, stuff like that, right? Like that's the kind of reason I think that that people shy away from from what makes horror horror. But you can't you can't pull the horror out of Silence of the Lambs. You can't pull away right. how significant it is that that movie did so well when it came out. Yeah. You can't pull away you know, people screaming during Alien and Jaws, right? Like that is the yeah. essential part of their DNA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always get my feathers ruffled when people bring up the prestige or elevated horror conversation because I may have said this on the podcast before, Sapphire, but um, like shitty dramas win Oscars. But like right. a horror... <laughs> A horror movie has to be like the best horror movie of yeah. all time to totally. be talked about right. for awards. For you know, sure. whereas like mm -hmm. drama as a genre is like, well, so right out the gate, dramas are real movies. So right, right. out the gate, they're the ones that matter the most. Yeah. Horror has to be like, oh my gosh, it has to be the straight A student. It has to have excelled so far yeah. above and beyond. It has to be to the point where you don't even call it a horror movie really and totally. i just i hate that i hate that yeah and i'm talking about argo um <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I like uh, <laughs> well we'll save that conversation for another time um what uh what about when you started making your own horror films when did you first start trying to deliver some of those scares to an audience that you loved receiving yourself totally. uh you know i i had made some I think it was the, the week after I watched The Shining, I just ripped off The Shining. I did a bunch of shorts that were just <laughs> ripping. I didn't even use the same music. 
Uh, I hope none of you ever see those movies, but, um, you know. <laughs> oh, I want to now. Yeah, there'll be a, a special feature on a future Blu-ray release <laughs> mm -hmm. of yours. All oh, those. Hey, we found them. Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> we found them on the internet. Wait. We got them. I yeah. can't wait. Yeah, the, the um, you know, one of them I posted on YouTube and was very, very excited. And like the top comment is like, Kubrick is rolling in his grave. So that's <laughs> <laughs> But um, Inferno, I'll, I'll share with you sort of where that one came from. Because I, at that point, I had just finished a, uh, a just a straight drama. Uh, and it was, a, it was a short film. And it did well. And it got me, um, you know, a lot of great recognition. And people really connected with that movie. I wanted to do something really different. And, and at the time, I was getting really into the idea of, of the virtual reality movie, right? I think is, is I had just seen uh, Dunkirk in 70 millimeter IMAX and it was like a, a revelatory experience. Like it was incredible. And I was just thinking about movies like Gravity and Mad Max Fury Road. And, and even going back to like, uh, you know, I, I was obsessed at the moment with, with Wages of Fear, the Clouseau film. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to, just the immediate sort of suspense of it, right? And and I uh, I always go back to this idea of like what what is sort of universal cinema, right? I, I heard this story about once about a guy who was uh, climbing like a, in the mountains of Tibet or something, right? And he finds his family, and they're watching Jaws on a TV, and the signal keeps coming out. There's no sound, but they still scream every time the, <laughs> the shark shows up, and that's <laughs> that's, that's that sort of elemental thing right and I, I think I was really trying to find that and then um, so a little background on this I was I was going to school up at UC Berkeley um, and I was doing post on that on that drama in in LA so there was a point where every every weekend I was doing that horrible sort of six hour drive and then back again on I-5 and, and just middle middle of nowhere um, and I used to get these calls from my dad and, and he'd just be like, you know, hey, if you get tired, you, you know, you're doing the drive kind of late, get a motel, I'll, I'll pay for it. He was super nice. And one day I'm doing that drive and uh, it's pretty late and I get a call from my dad and I think it's going to be the usual spiel. And he goes, you know, no matter what you do, just don't stop in the middle, keep driving. And I'm kind of like, what's going on? Oh my God. And, and he says, there, there were these, these hate crimes against Indian men in North Carolina. It was just like the most wow. sort of, you know, disconnected thing. But, and I wasn't worried, but it just felt, it felt like such a real fear, right? Like, and right. it was this sort of lightning rod moment for me where I was like, what is my dad afraid of, right? Like, what is that? Yeah. Obviously, you, you just, you know, the immediate application of that is sort of like the, the you know, you're going to go out in the middle of nowhere, someone's going to kill you, right? But like, what is that deeper fear? What is the sort of anxiety? And so I think those two central impulses just sort of collided, where I was kind of like, there's no other way to do this than a horror movie. There's no other way to explore these these ideas and these feelings than in a horror movie. And so um, Inferno kind of came from that and, and a lot of those ideas. And I think the idea was to be a little more abstract about those themes, right? Like not to play them out. And I, I felt like something like a, a hostile type situation would be a little too sort of on the nose, right? And it was just sort of taking that in a more abstract direction. And I think that's, that's how we ended up with the weird movie you ended up seeing. Um, but, uh, you know, I had actually, I had written it as a feature and it was like 73 pages long and, and there would be like nine or 10 pages that go by with no dialogue. And I looked at it and I read it back to myself and I was like, man, this is a, this is a shot list. This isn't a script, you know? And it was, it was just so <laughs> dense with sort of visual details. So I felt like, 
what I really wanted to do was was show people in seven minutes what the approach of that movie was. Because the whole mm. the idea was that it would all be in real time, and you know there would be no sort of uh, ellipsis, right? There would be no elliptical cuts. It would just be straight through, and we would be following a single perspective, like through one experience without any breaks, right? So this, that was the idea, and. Um, I even more recently, I wrote a draft of it that was all in the long take, like 1917. So it's, that was the idea to just really commit to the immediacy of that, right? And so, and and the huge part of that is suspense and set pieces. I am a I am a disciple of, of the great set. I love set pieces. Uh, you know, the the Raptors in the Kitchen in Jurassic Park, the the you know. LA River Chase and Terminator 2. There's just something yeah. to be said for like pure cinema in, in set pieces. I mean, and, and even in non-genre things, the the oil derrick exploding and and there will be blood is just a great set piece, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea was was with the short to showcase the purity of what a suspense-driven set piece can be, you know. So it was a very long-winded answer, but it's, no, really it's great. the why of this thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I want to talk about Inferno. What? So what? Uh, was there a specific set piece that inspired you for the like logistics of that short, or, or was it kind of a, a collection of different horror set pieces? Yeah, it was a collection. You know, and I think um, I think the idea was very much variety within the within the confines of, of you know we, we found this motel very early on and, and that was a huge thing for me because I wanted to do very much wanted to do something in the vein of both Psycho and Texas Chainsaw and, and sort of sort of where where do you go from that and Texas Chainsaw is not a motel movie but it's kind of a motel movie you know what I mean yeah, that right. sort of thing mm-hmm. um, so so it was, it was really about doing that thing and we were very lucky to have this location and and then for me it was really just about how many mini movies how many mini pieces can fit within this and um, you know I am I steal so much from so many movies. I mean, th- to your point, like the end of the movie when there's when she's using the flick flickers to, you know, illuminate the monster. That was a that was a ripoff of the end of Rear Window when he's taking the, the picture over and over again. He's blinding the guy that's walking toward. Yeah. You know, it's 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 just that, right? Um, and then I think I think her stepping on the glass, which is a, I think probably a moment that people remember a lot. Um, that was really sort of like. Uh, I, I was thinking about the the stuff from like Wages of Fear, you know, and and sort of like how long specifically can you hold out something for the audience that the, they don't necessarily uh, that they forget, but not so much that when it happens again, they're like, well, that that's a cheat, right? That's like the the right. incremental sort of structure of things, you know what I mean, to make the audience forget, but then when they see it again, to go, aha, right? So I think a lot of that comes from uh, some of these these older movies that I just mm-hmm. adore. You know, is there a subgenre of horror? I know you said that you 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 like it all, but is there a subgenre yeah. of horror that you like the most? Sure. Uh, anyone that listens to this podcast knows that for me, I like '80s horror. I like Reanimator. I like body horror. I like The Fly, The Thing, stuff like that. Love what is it for two. you? Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's monster movies. I think yeah. uh, specifically mm. monsters. I mean, uh, my favorite movie monster has to be uh, the Alien Queen in, in Aliens, I think. Yeah. So cool. And I, I remember just seeing that and, and as a kid and just going like, this is the scariest thing I've ever seen. And it's it's so real, you know? Um, I'm working on, on several 
different feature projects right now, they all have monsters in them. I just can't, I can't help myself, you know? And uh, yeah. I think that's sort of the, uh, and to, to, to bring up another James Cameron movie, specifically the moment in the Terminator when, uh, you know, Kyle, Ray, Kyle Reese and, and Sarah Connor hugging and in the background, the endoskeleton sort of rises out of the yeah. fire. It's, that's a moment, I, I, that's a specific shot that I have in every single movie I write somehow. And it's, it's not even <laughs> conscious, right? It's, it's the monster, you think you've defeated the monster, the characters are in the foreground and in the blurred background, this thing rises yeah. and it's the, the ultimate sort of, and, and, and look, I mean, I love the, uh, I love purely supernatural movies, but for me, the sort of, um, the gratification of at the end of the movie, you get to see something that you've never seen before that you get to hold in your head forever, like the Alien Queen for totally. me. Totally. Obsessed with that feeling, you know? Yeah. Mm. Was there ever a thought uh, that the, Spoiler alert, but that the creature or that the monster in Inferno uh, would have a different look. Had you kind of weighed different style approaches sure. for that monster? That monster, I mean, in the in the feature that I had written, there was a lot more about sort of it isn't a monster, it's a person and mm -hmm. all this stuff. But for the for the movie, for the short, I think it was very clear that it had to be this sort of uh, uh, most omnipresent being, right? That's sort of moving within the, the motel in, in weird ways. I, my thing was, if we, because implicitly we had set this in sort of the middle of I-5, I, I knew it had to be a cattle skull because there's so many sort of cattle ranches. I mean, the, the you know, Harris Ranch, which people call Cowschwitz is out there, right? Like it's, it's that sort of thing. Cowschwitz? Yeah, that's what, that's what oh people call it. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's uh, you know, what? I think that was just part of like the, the feeling of, of being out there, right? And then... Um, in terms of the rot of the mass, I, I like telling the story. I showed my uh, production designer, I showed him the, the poster for the Lucio Fulci, Fulci movie, the zombie yeah. right, from 1979 or whenever. I was like, this is the exact amount of rot I want on this face. And uh, he delivered exactly that amount of rot. And it was great. And so the mask, I think, was very much consistent throughout that process. The mask didn't change. Yeah. Um, and and it's still here somewhere. I think it's it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. But the the sort of body of the, the character and um, Craig, who was the actor who played the creature, Craig is an incredible, uh, incredible actor and an incredible physical performer, right? So uh, Craig, he calls himself the Morph Man. He is the Morph Man. And, uh, you know, a lot of what we figured out together was sort of what what can this thing move like? And so at one point, we actually went to a park in Culver City and he put on the mask and took off his shirt and just started doing weird walks for me. And I just like looked around. And like, what? That's great. And people were very confused. But Craig, I think, infused a lot of sort of um, idiosyncrasy and specificity into the movements. And even though you, you don't see very much of that creature, um, you know, I think you, you get a real sense of like within the, the few frames you do see, I think because of Craig, you get a real sense of the physicality of this thing. And, um, and then I, I think the two other pieces were when the monster is alone, we shoot, we shoot uh, Craig in 18 frames a second instead of 24. It was a pretty last minute idea. It was like, it's going to make things look choppy and weird. And yeah. uh, Matt, my DP, really just like went for it and made it work so well. And and then the sound, I think, is the is the biggest thing, right? Like my, my concept for it from the beginning was that this this guy, this creature, whatever, is kept inside a box all the time, right? He's kept inside like a 
three by three box, like like the gimp from Pulp Fiction. And so when he walks, his bones are, you know, his broken bones are sort of resetting and all this stuff. And so mm. um, the idea was always that there would be these horrible sort of bone breaking, snapping sounds. And, and I think that that really is the missing, the, not the missing piece, but I think until we saw, until I saw the final mix of the movie, I wasn't completely convinced it would work. And then I saw the mix, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is it, it works, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, before we get into our crazy questions, can you tell us anything about what you are working on next? I know you just said totally. you've, got a, you've got a monster in every movie you you want to make. What are you working on? What are you working on next? For sure. So I'm I'm doing a movie um, with with New Line and James Wan producing. It's a it's a post apocalyptic movie with a very sweet sort of uh, core to it. Um, so that one we're we're kind of developing at this point. The script is fantastic. I'm working with a writer named Josh Rollins. He's a, a genius. So we're very excited about that script and, and hope to make it kind of soon. There's another project I'm working on uh, that's kind of very much about my upbringing and, and uh, kind of my experiences as an Indian American person and uh, predominantly sort of white suburb that I grew up in. And uh, so it's a bit YA. It's very much, I always pitched it as sort of the, the Indian drag me to hell, you know, and it's got very much a sort of poltergeist vibe and, uh, and very much a Nightmare on Elm Street vibe. And that has a monster that we hope uh, is going to be very exciting to audiences. And then uh, I'm developing a movie that is a, I think the, the simplest version of it, what we can call it, is an alien revenge movie, which is a lot Ooh. of fun. So okay. those, are, those are the big three. And, and yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of projects that I'm very excited to develop and keep going on. And I think uh, what excites me most is just waking up every day and being like, which which one do we work on today? Which one do we have? So uh, hopefully that, that plate fills up a little more too. You know? Awesome. Awesome. Sapphire, do you want to launch us into crazy cues with our first crazy question? Yes, Let's I do. It. <laughs> so first question is, have you ever experienced a something that is real world horror or have you ever had a supernatural or paranormal experience? Tell us something scary. Yeah, is totally. This I actually the, the movie I just mentioned to you, the the YA uh, sort of horror thing is based on this. It didn't happen to me, but it happened to my grandfather, and uh, he, he lived in India. And he tells the story about how one once one time he visited a family, and the little girl in the family would walk around talking to this empty jar, right? And and he always he, he checked. There's nothing in the jar, but she talks to it like there's something something in there, somebody in there. And at one point he asks her like, well, "Who are you talking to?" And she says, "There's." there's a thing in here, right? And uh, he says, no, there isn't, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and uh, she says, yes, there is. And, and they fight about it. And eventually she gets so upset, she takes off the jar and she tosses something in. She does this and obviously nothing comes out. And she says, it's on you now, very, very ominously. And he's like, whatever. all right. Grandfather's like, whatever. And he goes home. And uh, then he, he starts hearing strange noises. And, and one night he wakes up and he hears the sound of, apparently, you can't make this up, he hears the sound of galloping horses running around his house. And he comes out Whoa. and he's like, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the best part, one time he gets a pack of peanuts up and uh, you know he, he's eating them one by one and he leaves them on the, on the kitchen table and he walks away to get something. And while his back is turned, he hears chewing. And then he's chewing more and more and more chewing. And then he turns back and the peanuts are gone. 
And so oh what my grandfather my does, gosh. my grandfather just leaves. He just leaves and, and he goes to, you know, stay with someone else for two weeks and he comes back and wow. whatever was there is gone, right? And look, I, I don't know how true any of this is, but when my grandfather told that story to me, I thought it was the scariest thing in the world. And, uh, and that's, yeah. what, that's sort of what happens in, in this movie now is that uh, uh, one Indian American girl bullies the other one and the one who is bullied unleashes something onto her right and this, so that was very much like from my, my grandmother cool. so unverified well as far as sapphire and i are concerned it's all true and it's verified we <laughs> all <laughs> true 100 <laughs> percent. um well what about if you could exist in any horror film as a character not as an actor in the movie mm. but in the world, like it's the real world, what yeah. horror film mm-hmm. would you want to exist within? I think it would be it would be Nightmare Three. The oh yeah, you you're know. talking my language. Be fighting back against Freddy in my dreams. You know, I That's oh, right, right here. There we there go. We go. <laughs> I just pulled a, I just pulled <laughs> my VHS copy off the shelf. Oh, that's what, the, the original. Um, I don't know if it's the original, but the poster art where the, the kids are walking towards Freddy in the dreamscape yeah. is so great. Yeah. I, I think that one, I think just because I, I uh, that whole series I, I've always loved and, and um, I always felt like I lived in my imagination, you know, and, and I think um, that that movie especially struck a chord because they're, they're kids who, who sort of, they deal with Freddy with their imagination. And there's just so much yeah. fun stuff in that movie, you know, and, and I, I really love that one. Sapphire, nice. I'm throwing to you for the final crazy cue because I always Q. forget what our final crazy cue is. <laughs> well, I got you, Bowser. Okay, uh, good. So, do you have any super hot horror takes? Get as spicy as oh, you want. No. That's right, oh, a hot no. take. A hot take. Mm-hmm. A hot take okay. could be uh, Black Christmas is better than Halloween. That's uh, come up before. Uh, that's come. A hot take could be that. Dream Warriors is not the best nightmare. We had somebody mm-hmm. say that number four was the best nightmare. Mm-hmm. I consider mm-hmm. that a hot take. Right. A hot take right. could Very be hot. that uh, torture porn is actually a great addition to the genre because everyone loves to slam it. <laughs> Which is what it. we're talking about right. yeah, in the in rest this of this episode. episode. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> so do you have a horror hot take? I don't know that this is a hot take. This is take. a safe space. Yeah. I think it's more of a recommendation for everybody who hasn't seen this film. I think the scariest <laughs> okay. movie ever made is uh, is the Danish Vanishing from 1989. Have you Ooh, ever seen that one? Yeah, I yeah, but not until much longer after I saw the American version. Think, don't, don't watch the American, but <laughs> yeah. if, if you're if you're looking for something truly <laughs> terrifying, I think at the, at the deepest gut level, that was probably. The movie, I remember watching the movie when I was 14 and, and at the end of it, it was just like, mm-hmm. it ruined my night. It, it was a, just an awful, awful experience to watch that movie, but it, it delivers on what I think of as the core sort of cathartic release of horror, of what the genre yeah. is capable of in a way okay. that is too much, right? Like I think people talk about um, in, in test screenings for studio horror movies, they talk about audiences when they think a horror movie is too scary, right? So you got to pull back <laughs> some scares and, and make sure people are all right with it. But that, that sounds a, lame. I know. What's it happens the sometimes. Point? It happens. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that is a movie that is the purest extent of the, the feeling of like, I mm. don't want to exist. You the know, dread. So, yeah. Wow. Exactly. Okay. I haven't seen it. You so, should check and it honestly, out. like, 
I, for the longest time, like, I feel like I'm broken because every, like, horror movies are, they don't scare me. They just right. don't. Like, so I'm very excited to watch this movie because, like, yeah. I yeah. I miss the feeling of, like, just feeling like being torn apart and, like, right, being, right, like, broken right. on the inside. Yeah. It may not work for you. It may not work for you, but it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of evil, I think is the, and that's, like, sort of the, you know, now I feel like I'm giving, you know, quotes for the DVD cover, but it's like <laughs> the sort of, it's it's a very different, like a very different way to access the same feeling, I yeah. think. So I think okay, about that yeah, movie no, very often, you That's know. awesome. So, Anyways, not a particularly hot take. Lukewarm at best, but I think you know. it's I think it's hot. I think it's okay. hot. I think it crossed from lukewarm to hot when okay. when you talk about it as you have because it's not a movie I feel like many people bring up. I know it is right. highly regarded, but I've never I think, seen it. I think a lot of people just know the American remake, right. um, which I had yeah. seen first. Well, Bishel, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you on social media to keep up with you and oh, all the sure. projects you've got brewing? I have I have a Twitter. I think it's the only thing I have, which nice. makes me sound like a luddite. But <laughs> share cool horror stuff on, on Twitter. So if you want to follow me there, it's a good place to start. Awesome. What's your handle on Twitter? Uh, I think it's at b films. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. This is a great chat. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Torture porn is a label often assigned to horror films released in the early 2000s, like Hostel and Saw. Even horror fans malign this subgenre, deeming it lesser than when compared to more generally respected entries. In Axe to Grind, Bowser and I talk about what we think about torture porn and whether or not it deserves more respect from horror fans. So this has been a long time coming. Yeah. Every time the subject of torture porn has come up on this podcast, uh, your hackles get raised. I know. It's so <laughs> embarrassing. I think we've had more people criticize the subgenre than speak in support of it. That's true. At least they've been more vocal about, I mean, we've said, well, what's your favorite subgenre or what's a subgenre you don't particularly like? Mm-hmm. And so many guests have Always said, goes. well, I'll tell you what I don't like. Right. I'm not a big fan of the torture porn stuff. Why do you think, in general, even horror fans like to make that statement? My guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that I think people find too much gore almost, like, tacky. Yeah. Um, 
there's this air of like when things are too gory, it's um, like it's not sophisticated. Yeah, I think people use it. Okay, I think when you say you're into horror, I think even for horror fans, you're paranoid about it looking like you're into lower brow stuff because the genre is kind of still maligned, I think in general, as we've talked about, to where a good horror film has to be called Elevated or Prestige instead of it just being like, no, that's just a good horror movie and there's a lot of them. Um, There's this weird need to, more than any other genre, even break things into subgenres and kind of categorize things out to where even fans don't have to feel like sullied by being associated with what some might think is like lower tier fare. Mm -hmm. So even a horror fan is like, I love horror movies, love horror movies. I don't like torture porn though. You know, like don't put me in that, don't, don't, I'm not like that person. Well, how about we define what torture porn is? Because I don't think we've done that yet. Going into this episode, we watched, we rewatched Hostel, Saw, and then tonight, (laughs) we watched Human Centipede in my backyard. So the neighbors could see. We had it up on a screen. Um, So do you think that defines torture porn? Those three films? What do you think defines torture porn? Honestly, okay. So my, the general understanding that I kind of picked up on is that torture porn tends to really focus on the agonizing details of the violence. Yeah. Um, and it like they slap on the word porn because like it's exploiting that or like you are purely like that is the point. Like if you're watching right. porn, the story is not as important as right. the sex. Yeah. So with torture porn, the story of the movie is not as important as watching the actual torture. So the thing about that, though, is like I feel like you could argue that almost that, that many horror films are that. Exactly. Yeah. It's like right. that's. That's where it gets kind of murky because how are, like, how do we say what violence is better than other violence? Totally. And then maybe it's context, but like honestly, like, like for example, The Exorcist is insanely graphic. Totally. Like, a little girl is masturbating with a crucifix. Yeah. That is so unbelievably wild. Right. But no one would look at that movie. And right. call it torture porn when she's literally being tortured yeah. by the devil. Right. Well, as you explained it, I think that I realized why I take such offense to uh, the label, especially when it's used in a reductive way. Because I think for me as a horror fan to say, I don't like torture porn, that's opening up that criticism to be made of a lot of films I like that I defend. Yeah. Because it's, 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 a, it's a definition I don't agree with. So, yeah. like, if I hadn't of been told that that was what the category was for something like Hostel or Saw. I think as a horror fan, you know, I know you you can't experience these things in a vacuum, but if I had experienced those films in a vacuum, I wouldn't have defined them as anything outside of just horror films. Right, it's just a horror movie. Yeah, they don't feel like intrinsically different, even to, in fact, retroactively living with that label for as long as those films have lived with that label When I went back to watch them, I almost expected to see different movies. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I had I hadn't seen Hostel ever, but I'd seen Saw. And in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, torture porn. So it's just a bunch of people like digging around in guts and stuff. But I'm like, no, there's like a fuck ton of dialogue in that movie. That's the the other thing. Like when you like, I feel like a lot of people who 
talk about these movies they haven't even seen the yeah. movies like because they are sold i think on those like exploitative right. moments i guess but that's that's not what the movies are no and like saw has a story like yeah. whether you like it or not like it has a story totally <laughs> it can get graphic but i think specifically with saw and hostel like the the act of putting somebody in a very is torturous a word Mm-hmm. Torturous, <laughs> torturous yeah, I think situation. So. Torturous, yeah, like that. I think that's what birthed the term because it's like hostile. You literally have people paying to torture people. Right. In Saw, Jigsaw is torturing these people to get out of these like situations. Yeah. So I think maybe that is right. the reason why. Like I know that hostile is the reason um, that that was label the first... exists. Right. Yeah. There had to be some. I've always found that when. When a label really gets cemented, that there was something of a precursor, like something was already getting under the skin of a critic, and then Hostel was like, okay, I'm sick of this torture porn. Like, there had to be in a movie before Hostel that I think got people thinking horror movies are becoming more and more kind of debased and depraved. I think it was Saw. It was, was, Saw, was it Saw before Hostel? Saw was before Hostel. So okay, like I think, then totally. In my opinion, I think Hostel sort of ramped up what Saw started. Because Saw, you know, uh, and no offense, I think I enjoy Hostel um, more than Saw. But um, uh, Saw almost presents itself as, oh, how do I say this and not sound like a dick? I don't know how to. Say it, say it, say it. I think Saw thinks it's smarter than it is, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right, right? Whereas Hostel at least has that kind of like blunt grindhouse energy. It knows what it is, yeah. yeah. Um, it, whereas Saw is kind of like, I don't know. I mean, and even Aren't we clever, <laughs> to, even down to its ending. I mean, even down to its ending, it's kind of like didn't see that one coming, did you? And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess, guys. But it it kind of feels like a smart movie in quotes written by dumb people. <laughs> If I can That's say that, I love it though. <laughs> like, this right. is so silly. Like it totally, and it is still. What I find interesting is, uh, it is still an enjoyable watch. Mm-hmm. I'm going to contradict myself. Okay. Whereas, oh, man, this isn't going to make any sense. I think Saw was a more enjoyable watch, but in retrospect, I don't like like it as much. Whereas Hostel is a harder watch. But I think it is actually a better movie. In I get ways. that. I a thousand. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, I don't know what it is. Something about the experience of one versus like just the like objective appreciation of it once it's over. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think Hostel, having n- never seen it until this week, was actually, and this is kind of what I was saying when the, the label has been on these movies for so long. You assume they are a string out of right. torture. Like, that's it. That's it. But Hostel's, like, a, in in ways, kind of a standard movie. Mm-hmm. This guy's got to figure this shit out, then he's got to find his way out, and then yeah. to where you come up for air more often than uh, I would have assumed. Mm-hmm. Like, you get time away from the the, the gore yeah. for longer stretches than I, uh, than I would uh, have assumed. Yeah. So I don't know why that label was slapped on those movies. Gosh, they, so, I mean, horror really, this is the other reason why I, I reject the label is gore is important to horror. Yeah. Like violence is important to horror. So I don't know what good you do in kind of like, yeah, kicking one subgenre in the nuts. Why is that the 
<laughs> metaphor. Like, oh no, these movies dumbed me down. Oh, <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I, I just don't get what what we gain as fans to like look down on any particular subgenre. Right. Way. And I know that everybody has their own personal preference. I know that a lot of people just cannot handle like a certain amount of gore. Yeah. But there's just something about the way that people talk about gore as if like it's it shouldn't be respected. But yeah. then the the thing that really bothers me even more is that what about any other genre? Any other genre can be just as violent, but it's not like frowned upon in the same way. Right. Like look at war movies. Right. They're constantly winning Oscars. Totally. So like when so when the violence has to do with soldiers yeah. and stuff, like that's totally chill. And this is a super intricate topic, but one of my favorites to talk about, which is uh Michael Haneke talks about this and pretty much talks about it by making a film like Funny Games. Uh-huh. But he talked about his his opinion on violence, which is like you're no more justified in showing it when you make a war film. That's still fiction. Mm-hmm. And people were like, eh, "Yeah, but like it's it's like but there's like honor in that." And he was like, "It's Is fucking it? it's all you it's all made up. You're basing it on a real thing." Yes. Mm-hmm. You are still creating a work of fiction, and he really like pulled the rug out from under these yeah. other filmmakers. And Haneke's thing is like my films might be actually arguably tethered to more truth in ways. Like it just depends how you decide to deconstruct and kind of digest your art. Yeah. Um, and it's I know it's a hard thing for people to understand because they're like, well, no, if it's a war movie that's based on real things that happened. Right. And it Hostel is not. Fun fact. It is. <laughs> so Hostel's inspiration was because Eli Roth had come upon a website that was advertising that you could, I believe it was Thailand, I might be wrong, you could go to Thailand, pay something, pay like $25,000 to shoot somebody in the head. Oh, wow. And so he, you know, it's the internet, so he's not sure if that website was real, but that's what got him thinking, like, what if this shit is real? And honestly, I think it is real. Oh, probably. Yeah. Well, and right, and so what's more honorable, God, this is like dicey, but you know, you take a narrative like Saving Private Ryan and you turn it into something that has such like a you know ultimately a saccharine ending or like this very really wraps everything up in a way that because he delivers you to this kind of safe destination Mm. now it's digestible now we can regard it higher we can uh, accept it by more audiences and Kubrick would always be like oh well fuck off like that's the bullshit yeah that's actually the bullshit. Because life isn't like that. Right. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, Hostel's a better movie than Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> but I no, am going to say, like... specifically for this conversation where we're talking about the merit of... Violence, like, violence and gore. Violence horror right. and torture porn. <laughs> That's... Yeah, totally. So. Yeah. I don't like... Yeah, I don't like it being this blanket term to basically dismiss um, not just a subgenre, but ultimately larger pieces, uh, swaths in the genre. Yeah. Because, right, like, is reanimator torture porn? You know, that's, like, one of my faves. Uh-huh. Um, and as much as I didn't love the movie we watched tonight, Human Centipede, I will say, though, um, there were almost, there was almost more there than than I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not much not more. not great. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, but, 
Yeah, I just wouldn't throw out those entries into the genre to try to like save face. Um, I don't believe that. Um, but that's kind of like my approach to like if I like Friday the Thirteenth, I kind of have to like all you know nine entries or whatever. Which I guess. <laughs> oh my god. Um, what do you think is uh, your favorite of what people would classify as torture porn? I mean, I've said this a bunch of times on the show, but the Saw series is my yeah. favorite. Um, I, I mean, the reason I watch them is to see all the different types of traps and stuff. Like, yeah, it's, like in my opinion, it's just got the most fun and creative ways to kill people. Yeah, you know, totally. It's, you watch, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm a huge fan of escape rooms. Yeah. And so I, to I like me, them. yeah, like I feel like they're in a very deadly escape room. Totally. <laughs> and that's fun for me to watch. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I, they're, they're very, very graphic. Um, yeah. But I, you know what? The, I guess the part of why in my head I forgive it is because. The whole premise is that Jigsaw picks people who are not great or like they've done something bad and they're, you know, he wants to give them a chance to like prove that like they are willing to change. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it makes it – they're not like purely innocent people. He's not putting children in these traps. He's not right. putting just like random strangers. It's like he thinks about it. He's like, all right, these people I want to teach a lesson. Yeah. I mean, you know, arguably it's not – like a great method, <laughs> but like, <laughs> right. that, but that's that's why I think it's okay. like I don't really view it as super super wild because yeah. I'm like yeah that I want to see who of these bad people dies totally. first. Well, and if you were to look at Saw as being even if you do reduce it to just being a sequence of inventive kills, mm-hmm. well, so what are most slasher movies? Exactly, you know, it's just that's why people watch those. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like if you disregard torture porn then you better kind of open up your scope to be ready to disregard a lot more from the yeah. genre. And, you know, and I'm sorry, but, yeah, hey, last episode, let's go there. What, <laughs> is, heredit- what is hereditary and midsummer? Trauma Trauma porn, porn grief yeah. porn, and also kind of torture porn. I mean, some of the images that, if you're going to use that term, some of the images that he kind of, forces upon you without really earning yes. them contextually. Yeah. Um, arguably, I find those, I find a lot of his instincts to be more uh, low-hangy fruit yeah. than than hostile. Yeah. You know? And But hereditary is like deemed as this right. freaking like golden child of horror. And right. I, I don't understand because I think it's that trick again. It's like, I, and I, I'm going to get a lot of SHIT for con- comparing it to Saving Private Ryan, but I'm only doing that <laughs> because it has been discussed by greater filmmakers than than I and more learned filmmakers than I, that when it comes to violence, um, yeah, we're still manipulating people. You're still You're still using something visceral to manipulate people for the sake of your story that you wrote that you are hoping people buy tickets to go see. Like, there is still a mechanism to it that is arguably um, can't be... You can't say Steven Spielberg is much different than Eli Roth. Like, they are still filmmakers that make movies (laughs) to make money. Yes. You know, there are still... There's still something transactional to the creation of a film and the selling of a film. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, and that's Haneke's point is like, hey, come on, let's just all be honest with each other. Right. You might, you might say, well, my horror film is wrapped in prestige, but that's what you need to tell yourself to, that's how you sell your product. Not to make it all sound so fucking bleak. <laughs> but I think that's the, tr- the trick of, of that uh, prestige moniker, mm-hmm. which is um, that we can, again, that we can sneak in the gore uh, under this guise of we're elevated when it's like, you know what? I'll take my fucking Friday the 13th because I'd rather something be honest with itself. Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't like feeling condescended to and I feel like Hereditary Midsummer condescend to me. I also feel like they speak down to genre fans. I think he yeah. includes those elements to uh, to appeal to genre fans or to even get categorized in horror but he's just kind of riding horror's coattails. I don't yeah. feel him as being uh, an innovator in it. So says the guy recording a podcast from his garage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Last episode. <laughs> right. That, that that I guess is why I don't like the label torture porn. <laughs> in summation, Steven Spielberg and Eli oh Rock my are gosh. exactly the same. <laughs> what have we done? What have we done? I didn't know it would lead us down such a twisted path. <laughs> That yeah. were gonna be said. I did not know that, that was gonna be a, a, yeah. a talking point. I know, I know. Well, final thoughts on on torture porn. Um, throw out the label altogether. Yeah, just throw it out. Throw it out. Throw baby. it out. Throw it in the, in the trash bin with elevated horror and prestige. Exactly. And all yes. the things that I think, yeah, seek to kind of separate the genre. Right. Instead of just being like it's horror mm-hmm. and it's all good. That's all for our very last episode of Alter Weekly. Here's what's coming up on Alter this week. March 19th, catch the shortest shorts with micro screams featuring shorts such as A Life Hereafter, There Can Only Be One, and The Fridge. Then on March 22nd, Moose Limbs. In a rural English village plagued by rats, an otherworldly new doctor arrives for his first day at work. And then, on March 24th, a death story called Girl. A nihilistic girl enjoys the wealth of suburbia. Well, that was the very last episode of Alter Weekly. Until we meet again, stay altered. Alter Weekly is produced by Andrew Bowser with theme music by Sapphire Sandalo. Alter Weekly is executive produced by Stephen Michael and Lauren Palmer at Gunpowder and Sky. 